and welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Today on the program, we have a band called Split Persona. I had a chance to chat with Xander and Brogan from uh, Split Persona. Uh, talked, we, we covered it all. We talked about the uh, joining together as a band. Um, we talked about you know um, getting time on the road, their favorite shows that they've been to, so much more. We'll, we'll get into that in just a, uh, a moment. But uh, before we do, catch up on a couple of other things going on in my world. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, moved into my new house here, uh, so getting things set up. Um, I found the air conditioning today, so that's only half joking, but uh, I did use it for the first time, even though I've had the house for uh, a while and, uh, you know, lived through the heat um, up to this point. I don't know if it's pride or if it's just stupidity or uh, trying to save money. I, I don't know where, where it lands, uh, but uh, I have had multiple sweaty nights uh first off sleeping on an air mattress before my bed got here uh and uh and second off when i had my bed last night even um didn't didn't even turn on the ac i champed it out right uh but today i turned it on uh and it was glorious it was like 93 degrees outside and 85 inside something like that so i was like sweating through a meeting i had to have for my daughter uh, and just waiting for it to end. And then I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. I have to turn it on. So I made it happen. Um, I know this is small things for uh, some people, but coming from living in a house for eight years that did not have air conditioning, uh, that did not have a doorbell, that did not have a dishwasher, you know, some of these modern fancy things are kind of a little bit lost on me. Uh, my buddy, John, who I was actually doing a Peloton ride with uh, today uh, said, uh, yeah, maybe you'll get a smart thermostat next. And I know, as I can know, you're trying to look out for me, but you know, one step at a time here. Uh, turning the thermostat on is a big move for me. Uh, so that's my story on the thermostat. Um, what else has happened in Bottle Rock? Uh, Bottle Rock, we have uh, you know multiple bands that we're interviewing uh, at Bottle Rock. We've already had a couple of bands from Bottle Rock um, in the past couple of weeks uh, to talk about it and lead up to the show. We have Metallica, we have 21 Pilots, we have Black Crows, we have uh, Pink. They're not all on the program, but they are all playing Bottle Rock. Um, and um, and after Bottle Rock's over, we're gonna bring interviews from the, uh, the program. I don't know how much we'll get on YouTube because it's gonna be audio interviews most likely, but, uh, but we're gonna uh, bring uh, that to the Apple podcast is Stitcher. Uh, we will also bring video performances of, uh, of the, from the festival as well, whatever I'm able to, to grab. And we'll put that all in one big uh, um, episode, most likely, uh, depending upon what content I get uh, at the fest. It's going to be fun. Uh, May, that's this weekend, May 27th to 29th uh, at the Napa Valley Expo. Um, and uh, for the last year, I will be biking from my um, my house that's there because I have it to the end of the month. The air mattress is at the uh, at the Napa house, and I'm going to be sleeping on that for a, a bunch of nights to make Bottle Rock happen and just be able to bike there and bike bike back uh, afterwards. So that's the jam with Bottle Rock. Really looking forward to it. I don't need the open to be too long. Um, we're you know we had a great great chat with Xander and Brogan, and uh, we're going to bring them in now. So here is my interview with Split Persona. We got a winner. Beautiful. Xander, Xander Brogan, how you doing? Not Good. bad. How about you? Doing pretty great. I like the light behind you. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I want to have an arcade. 
You, you did. How many tickets did that cost? Did you were there like all day or? It was like fifteen hundred tickets. <laughs> well worth it, right? So. Oh yeah, looks awesome. Bring, should bring it out to the shows. Uh. Oh, dude! Now, now I'm gonna put it on my cabinet. No, we're gonna put this one on my cabinet. Yeah, because I you have your Saturn. Yeah, I have a little Saturn light that goes on my cabinet, and I guess you'll have the XOXO sign. That would be cool. That'd be that'd be good. That'd be good. Uh, so let's talk. Let's tell tell me about Split Persona. You guys got together what around 2020 or something? Uh, October 2019. Yeah, was. that was probably the official time we got together. What, 2020 that was, is that was the, the first time I showed up at your house. That's true. Yeah. You just so, you just showed up, or you? you know. Um. So our previous bass player and I, we had we went to the same high school, and we were we were in choir together, and. Uh, one day we, we had nothing to do. So, and there was a guitar in the room. So I just started playing to kill some time. And then a couple weeks later, he, he approaches me. He's like, Hey, uh, I've got, I've got this band coming together. Do you want to maybe come try out and play some lead guitar? And I was like, fuck yeah. I mean, I got nothing else to do, you know? Uh, so it gave me a date. It was like, it was like a week out. It was during fall break. Yep. I remember that. Um, and I went over to his, what, the last house you lived last in. Last house I lived in, yeah. And uh, just set up my stuff. And I think, what was it? I played Panama by Dan Halen. Yeah. It, was, it okay. was Panama. That was my little warm-up. And from my warm-up, I was in. Yeah, from, you know, me being inspired by Eddie Van Halen to pick up guitar. Once he played Panama, I was like, well, he's in now. You know, he just effortlessly pulled out Panama. You know, of course he's in. We jammed on it for a little bit, but yeah. I mean, the music of Split Persona was written before we had even met. Yeah, I'm the first thing you were still living in Truckee. Yeah, I was living in Truckee for a bit, and that's actually how when we met. Um, yeah. That was at I was just telling him how we met at Bottle Rock, which I think is insane. We met at Bottle Rock uh, 2017, I believe, with the one where the Foo Fighters played. Yes. And, uh, so let's talk about that for a second. So uh, yeah, uh, because yeah, the Foo Fighters have played Bottle Rock twice now, um, and. Uh, and that first one was yeah, like the one that, that you had been to, and we were just camped out at the stage uh, all day. And so, since you mentioned your concert, right, I want to go back to that. Uh, I was I was going back to my photos, and uh, and I found that oh my oh, god, and and uh, Band of Horses played before Foo Fighters, and uh, I don't know who you were waving at or anything, but <laughs> but a young oh uh, young god. baby young Xander, that's me, and, and there I am yeah. right there. Yes. And you know what's crazy? You know what you know what's even crazier about that? The kid to my left in this picture and right above my head, those two kids, that's Emma and Ethan, the two kids I was in a cover band with before Split Persona. Oh shit. So I was in a cover band with them and they just happened to be at the festival and they were like, Yeah, we have to see Foo Fighters. So we all kind of camped out at the front row. Wow, that is so I've yeah. never oh yeah. man, it's been so long, dude. Oh my god. That's it's insane. been a minute another full yeah. circle moment yeah i know and that's when i found concert pipeline again i was like oh we have to get on it now now that i have a band and now that we're you know doing stuff wow we, we have to get on it that's crazy small world man yeah so i know right yeah so yes i remember you and uh, <laughs> uh and that that show was awesome because foo fighters hadn't been touring and uh and that at the time was the only u.s date that they had uh had done so i mean so it was it was incredible but first um, show of the never-ending tour of the Foo Fighters literally right 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 they played last year and uh and uh actually Dave Grohl did so many cool things like 
um, he, he came out the night before when Guns N' Roses were playing and, uh, yep. and played on, um, welcome to, uh, played Paradise City, sorry. Um, right. and, uh, and he did a, a solo set with, um, with Greg Kirsten uh, doing the, Oh, um, I can't believe you got to see that. So jealous. Yeah. Yeah. I recorded videos of all of it. Right. And he did the culinary stage and everything. So yeah. there's, there's, their set was cool, but everything else he did was, was amazing at, at, at Butter Rock last year. So, and but, that's just Dave Grohl, man. That's why he's my inspiration. That's why he's uh, slowly becoming your inspiration too. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, I'm slowly getting broken in every single Foo Fighters B-side that's existing right now. And he'll just, he'll come up to me and be like, weenie beanie, let's play that one. And I'll be like, yes, and like, finally. <laughs> So, I mean, that that's really why it's just good guy grow, man. He's just barbecuing, hanging out with all the fans, hanging out with everybody. That's the goal for me as yeah. a lead, you know, front man or whatever, just to be as cool as possible, easy to work with, all that kind of stuff. And that's, easy to that, get along with. Yeah, and that's Dave Grohl and just a funny hangout dude. You know, I could totally have a beer with Dave Grohl. You know, anybody can, which I think is crazy. Yeah. So you uh, so you had a cover band? What what what, what did you cover? Oh, uh, well, obviously Foo Fighters. We played like Everlong and The Pretender. Uh, we've covered a lot of Black Keys. We did like Gold on the Ceiling and Lonely Boy at one point. Um, we even threw, I think we did do Paradise City at one point. We threw that into the set because it was really fun. But it was a lot of like just whatever all of us were kind of into. So it was like Cage the Elephant or, you know, Steppenwolf. You know, just why not? We'll do Magic Harper Ride tonight. You know, and it, there wasn't that many shows with that cover band, which I was kind of PO'd about mainly because it was just so fun playing just the songs that you always look up to and you know you start in a cover band but I think we were talking about this exact thing today which is we're in an original band you know we do all originals and whatever but we throw a cover in every one of our sets at, if we can you know if we have time we, if we if we if we have if we have the clock space we're we're playing a well-known song exactly because it's yeah. just fun for us to play those songs they're good songs you know throwing in monkey wrench every now and yeah, then or, or, or my hero or we did we've done remedy by Cedar before we've just done, in the studio we used know? to do we used to do motley crew covers and i would sing them he's got the highest voice in the band so it fits he can hit all the vince neal parts so i mean i i do you know there's parts of me that miss playing in a cover band mainly because there was nothing you could do originally that people would go Damn, that's not very good because you'd be playing covers that are like already already amazing, yeah, yeah, already yeah. masterpieces. You know what I mean? But I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of give that comes with writing a song and thinking, wow, this sounds like garbage, and then playing it and people and then getting a positive reaction and people really like it. You know, there's certain unreleased songs we put into our set that people have come up to us after shows and been like well what song is that when is that coming out and we're like we didn't know you liked it like wow that's crazy so i mean there's there's it's at one point that you have to realize we're just dudes in a room playing music you know and that's yeah. what every legendary band in the world has been just a bunch of guys writing songs yeah and it's at that point it's something eventually happens from it and you just have to be like yeah but you stay true to yourself being the guy who's in my room at 3 a.m writing music you know yeah. it's the same thing <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I mean, your live show, though, you put on, I mean, from the videos I saw, like you get have a lot of energy in your live show, which is uh, really awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you like you like to say, oh, go ahead. Kind of like bring back that like that electricity that that made rock and roll popular in the first place, you know, I mean, if yeah. there's there's something different. And this is another Dave Grohl quote. There's something different about going to see a, a, a concert and watching a dude with a piece of wood and a bunch of metal strings and just 
making something magical out of it. Like when we meet, me and Brogan actually got the opportunity to see Mammoth WVH and Dirty Honey recently on their last tour when they came through Reno. On the Young Guns tour. Young Guns tour. And watching John Otto, right? John Notto. John Notto, yeah, from Dirty Honey, just be literally five feet away from us, just shredding these eclectic solos. We're just like mesmerized. Like I remember looking at you at one point, you're just like, and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's exactly that, what it like, is. I went, I went into that concert having never listened to a Dirty Honey song in my life. I came out a full-fledged fan of yeah, Dirty Honey. He, he's never like, not and, playing that. And that's, and that's what we want to bring. That's the impact that we want to have, you know? But when we do a live show and yeah. you've never even heard of a band, and then you leave that venue thinking, how do I listen to them right now? Like, that's the kind of energy that we want to bring because we're not just going to show up and play. You know, that's what you expect us to do. We have to do other stuff to like, we, we make it more all around yeah. a good show. You know, it's not just yeah. a show, it's a performance. And we, we try to, we try to bring something like new and creative to the table each time, whether that be jam sessions, we're like extending a jam session in a song or, or completely writing the set list 10 minutes before we go out and play. We've done that before. <laughs> we did that the last show. <laughs> Or just not having one, you know, and just going out and playing, you know, which we did in Chico, (laughs) which we did in our last show in Chico. So, I mean, there's a lot that comes with our live shows, but we just try to bring as much memorable impact as as best as we can. We just, we just want to bring the good time. We just, we want to let the good times roll, you know, we want to bring that back. Put that on a bumper sticker. Put it on a sticker. Yes. And, and Xander, you love to stage dive at, uh, at every show if you can. Yeah. Every show that I can, you know, the last show that we did, that big they one, were, they were not liking it. They didn't yeah. like it no. very much. And the best part is, is like, I still crowd surf. It doesn't matter how far. You still succeeded. I still was held up for at least 10 seconds before <laughs> I was dropped, you know. But other times, you know, our last Reno show, the Punk Rock Flea one, I crowd surfed all the way to the door of the venue and all the way back to the stage. So sometimes <laughs> it works, sometimes it doesn't. At the cargo show, I probably should have just stayed on stage. <laughs> Yeah, so if, crazy for all the shows I've been to, I've never actually crowd surfed. So how, how much control do you have over getting to the back of the venue and dig and I'm also curious about that? It's <laughs> mostly just yelling, just like, no, go this way or back <laughs> that way or this way. It's mostly just yelling and hoping to God that everybody below you hears. And most of the time it's my hand signals of like pointing of where I, wherever I need to go. That usually everybody underneath me is like, okay, that way. <laughs> and just slide me that way. But the, the one at Punk Rock Flea was probably the most organized crowd surf I've ever done because oh, everybody cool. was like straight back, straight back to the stage. Before, like the last Holland show that we did is a local venue here in Reno called Holland Project. Uh, the last Holland show that we did, I crowd surfed and went in a fucking circle. Like I went, in, I did a half moon around the stage and then and I ended up on like Jacob's side. And I was like, where am I right now? But yeah, most of the time it's very unorganized and I just hope for the best and just do with my hands, you know, and hope people see it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think and my it, only job when he does that is to make sure his guitar is safe and fill the silence. Yeah, he always fills the silence with these like really hard rock like solos, and it's always like the little teasy stuff. It's like Danny, Danny, and then it just keeps building until I get back to the stage. You know, it's awesome. And yeah. that's something we've never even rehearsed. Like we don't rehearse that. We're just like Xander Kraus here, and we just and jam. we just fill the, the space jam, with whatever exactly like you and jacob go back and forth he does some bass stuff you do some guitar stuff and like call and response and whatnot and that it, it just brings like you never see people on stage crowd surf anymore i've not been to a show in a long time where i see the dude that's playing crowd surf and i'm like not a lot yeah 
you know, and there's tons of shows that I've been to where it's like, you're small enough, get up there. And they'll like, just launch me into the crowd and try to make me crowd surf. But it's always different when it's the person you're seeing. Cause you're like, holy shit, I'm literally touching the guy that was shredding two minutes ago. You know what I mean? So I feel like that is more another crowd participation opportunity that I always see at our shows every time. Yeah. And, and so tell me, I mean, with starting like a couple months before COVID hit, like, what was that like for you guys? How did, how did that affect the band and the shows? It was devastating. Oh, yeah. Like it, it was a hard, hard hit when COVID right, right before COVID hit. I mean, in January, we played the whiskey a go, which was like that, that nice. was legendary. And even though the show was like empty, it was still the whiskey a go, go. And we cannot get away from that. We still yeah. played whiskey a go, go. You know, we got, we still saw the name split persona on that, on, on that marquee. marquee. Yeah. And that was insane. So we do whiskey a go, go, we come home and we do our first like headlining show in Reno. We sell out. Man, it's like, holy shit, you know, it's our EP release show. People are coming and buying CDs, buying shirts. We sell the place out. And then less than a month later, we find out that we're all shut down. Yeah, that everything is shut down. There's this new pandemic going around. And it, it was devastating for us. It's most likely not even close to as devastating as it was for bigger bands or for oh, just yeah. people in general. But it, there was definitely a, there was like a, I would say an emptiness that came with yeah. COVID because as soon as we so, were so all let, me, let me let me pause for a second and ask you. So um, that that first show you sold out. Like, how did you do that? We're all word of mouth. Like, what? How do you sell out a show when you know you're so fresh? Pretty much. You know, we were kind of making noise in Reno. Like, like uh, he said earlier that we got started in 2019. We did our their high school battle of the bands. Then yeah. we win that battle of the bands. And then we did a Holland show and it wasn't that packed, but we got a, a couple people out. I say we got like three people out for that show. And, you know, those people told their friends and we, we just didn't stop promoting. We just kept yeah. on social media, texting people, trying to get people to our show. Like it's, it's gotten to the point before where people will literally like respond to stuff I post about shows and be like, just shut up. No one cares. Yeah, there, there is that too. And that comes with, hey, you know, we're just trying to make it and get our stuff out there. You could totally opt out of our of our text messaging program or whatever it is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or my story or whatever. So, I mean, it was mostly word of mouth, you know, just putting up posters around town, you know, telling everybody at high school the same, like, this is the biggest show we've ever done. This is our EP release show. You better make it big for us and whatever. And just, it sold out, which I didn't expect. And it was not even, it was before they even did like online ticket sales. Cause that came yeah. with COVID, you know, the, this closed off hundred people shows, the mask up shows and whatever. Before that, it was just show up at the door with $5 and you'll get in. And oh man, people showed up that night. Yeah. And it was, the, it was like 300 something. No way. It was Colin? like, it was like 150. <laughs> uh, Colin's cap is like 200. So it was oh. like 150. I think. Okay. So I was like, oh, a little bit off. A little bit off. So yeah, that, that was pretty much how we got it out. And uh, once we did that show, it was like nothing could stop us. And then pandemic. And then something stopped us. Yep. The yep. one thing yeah. I didn't expect too. And and so did you like find ways to record? Like, did you send files back and forth as, uh, at that point? What did what did that look like? So I basically went into pre-EP mode when that when the when the pandemic hit. I started demoing a lot of songs myself in my room and just writing a lot of stuff. And you were writing a lot of stuff and sending it to me. And like you said, like little files like we still do that to this day we do, we'll, we'll take like voice memos voice memos right and we'll just be like yo i wrote something tell me what you think it'd be like a riff or something small or whatever and he'll send it back and forth and 
you know, Brogan was kind of the only one that couldn't come out of his house. His parents were very strict. They like, were. this is the pandemic. You're not leaving our house and giving us all COVID. Like it was a big thing. And, you know, my parents were trepidatious, but they weren't nearly as strict, I don't think, because they were like, you can go out if you want, you know? And so it was mainly just me demoing songs in my room. Oops. Sorry about that. Um, it was mainly just me demoing songs in my room, just making them sound as bare bones as possible. You know, just leaving room for all of us to kind of input on it and create something nice. And as the pandemic was kind of leaning off closer to the end of summer 2020, you know, when everybody was realizing, yeah, we're gonna be in this for another year, we started all kind of coming together slowly but surely member by member and just playing these songs out and trying to get them figured out and trying to get them to sound as good as possible and that whole record came together you know we had a whole record planned and in 2021 when the pandemic was you know just kind of coming off the cuff in like april or may we decided to go into a studio and record all of it and two of those songs made it out which was on your own and no you won't and those to these to this day we consider demos because we know nowadays we can make those songs sound so much better and that's why the rest of the record is still on the shelf you know it's all written it's all produced it's all ready we just need to go to a studio and record it but it's all it's me that always waits on it like i want it to sound like it is up here like it is up there like it should sound instead of settling and just being like yeah we can just track a demo and just mix and master it and throw it out ourselves you which know, at this point. is is the reason why i liked only doing one song with chet that he well, gave we, us it gave us that entire like two or three days to and, just focus on that one and you're talking about i need more which I is the most recent release from us so who's chet uh chet roberts is the lead guitar player of three doors down okay and, and so how did you get hooked up with him? So the story goes is that in, around the same time that I went out to see the Foo Fighters at Bottle Rock, um, it was less than a year before, I think, Three Doors Down came out to Reno. And my dad just was like, hey, do you want to go to Three Doors Down concert? I was like, absolutely. Like, this would be great. And he got us like the back, back, back seats. And I was like, ah, and I never care about concert seating unless it was the Foo Fighters. I never right, yeah. considered about, you know, so I was just back there and I saw open seats at the front. So every other song or whatever me and my dad and his friend would kind of sneak up there and sit down it was right on chet's side and i think at one point i pulled the the sign thing that i did at foo fighters which was like 13 years old can i come and play a song with you and he actually came down next to me and said hey um i can't bring you up tonight but here's a wristband whatever don't quit keep doing music and i was like you know never i'd never seen a musician ever tell me that before so it was like very life-changing for me and i was like okay so I never, never quit, you know, kept doing it. And Three Doors Down came back to Reno in 2021 at the end of the year. My dad just had a random Instagram message him and was like, hey, I hope you remember this picture, you know, from this show and this date. And I know like rock stars and shit, like they're not gonna remember that. He did. And he was like, I'd love, I love Split Persona. I'd love to meet Xander before the show and talk about, you know, recording out of my studio and bringing the band out there and whatever. And I was just I was just floored. Like, I did not, you know, I remember you texted me about it and I was like, bullshit. Yeah, there's no way that's real. So I actually meet him before the show. We talk about Nashville. We talk about going out there, recording a song with them and whatever. And he's like, do you have tickets to the show? And I was like, no, I didn't buy tickets to the show. I just came to meet you. And he was like, I'll get you tickets. Hold on. And I was like, I, he texted me later that night. I hope the tickets were good. And they were front row. You know what I mean? Like, it was a hookup. So we also gave him a shirt. You know, me and my dad just brought him a shirt of ours and he wore it on stage that night. 
nice so like ridiculous dude and after that i get a text from i just gave him my number you know i was like it'd be really serious you know we're a kid we're still kids at this point i didn't even turn 18 yet i don't yeah. think yeah no I, I think you were just 18. i was yeah, just 18 so yeah i slotted my number and i'm like if you're really serious whatever you know text me he texted me that night hey chet this is xander <laughs> ah, that was backwards hey xander this is chet how you doing you know i sent me some demos so we started sending stuff back and forth and in the beginning of 2021, Brogan approached me with a riff, and I very much liked the riff, and we started working on it. It started to become this, like, very party-like rock song, and then I threw the breakdown riff in there and did the breakdown, and you were just like, no, this song's going to be... It just so happened to fit. Very you well. You didn't write that breakdown for that particular song. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Oh, I did, yeah. Oh, I thought I it was an sat down and wrote it down, yeah. So once I put that breakdown together and we had like a structure, I was like, okay, you know, this is another really good song that we have that's just going to sit on the shelf. And it did until, you know, November or whatever, when I sent it to Chet and he was like, no, this one, I like this one. This is the one. And yeah. you know, that's when I, I hadn't even written lyrics yet. I'd only written lyrics for the chorus, which you ended up pitching on later. I think, I think you banged out the rest of the lyrics in like a, a couple of weeks. Not even a day. Like really? I just sat down and wrote them down. Because you told you called me and you just said this song is a party song, write it about partying. And I was like, oh yeah, because I remember you sent me a sample of the lyrics and it was like super depressing, super dark, you know, just like other mm -hmm. stuff. Like, like I was like, no, dude, don't ruin this think. with sad shit. <laughs> yeah, it's the stuff that makes you think. So I wrote the lyrics that became the final lyrics, and a lot of them got cut and moved around and whatever, but. And like reworded just a little bit. To make she, a bit I remember the first time you heard the cadence of the lyrics. You went, I really like these. Like, there's definitely something here. So we go out to Nashville. And for the first, you know, four days, we're just out there being children. You know what I mean? Like, we've never been yeah. out there. It, it, it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It was a great to, time. It so this place fun. called Carter Vintage Guitars. Okay. Um, and oh, man. Yeah. Just all the good, you know, musicians. Just having, you yeah. get to record with chet from three doors down and he actually even said you know like a week or two before we came out hey greg upchurch our drummer wants to play on the song we were like he can do it of course you know i texted mike and i was like hey so greg wants to play on the song he goes greg can have the song <laughs> even, yeah, like, i'll set this one out yeah <laughs> exactly so we go out best two days of our lives you know recording and it was like it wasn't just at home recording it was like we're doing it you know what I mean? It yeah. was like very professional to a schedule. There was a runner, like it was very professional. And then once we finished recording, but, we come home and and despite despite the level of professionality, it never lost that element of fun. No, like there was never a point where we felt like, okay, it's grind time. We got to get this shit done. It was like, well, it'll we'll, get we'll, done. It'll get done. It'll get done. You know, eventually. Yeah, it'll and get done. It we have a, we have two days and no time limit. It was a very comfortable process. Well, you know, no time limit within the two days. <laughs> but you know, so, we get home after that, and it was just like our lives go back to normal pretty much. But at the same time, it was a new. It was starting 2022, and once 2022 got started, that's when we just started booking every show possible. We just started doing everything. So I was like, well, we just worked with Three Doors Down. They're a platinum recording. Like we got to do Sarah something. Grammy right winning band. Yeah, we got to do yeah. something. So we started booking shows and going on these little mini runs and little tours down to like San Francisco and back up or down to LA and back up. And now we're just planning more of those. But that really 
solidified that this is what we want to do because yeah. we have, I have not had more fun than we had those four days we were on tour in February. Like, oh, absolutely was, not. That was insane. And then in, in March, we go down to San Francisco for a show and come back up. And now, and then, now we're starting to make waves in little college towns like Chico and Davis and, you know, all those little those little those little party those, they just want music they just want new music and th those are the type of places we walk into a house you know with a shitty pa system and put on a show like it's fucking wembley stadium and then walk out and it's like yeah you know we just did we, that you know we we well no you said it all <laughs> <laughs> I, I had something to add and then i didn't <laughs> it happens sometimes and, yeah. and so, so you reach out to the venues, you reach out to other bands. Hey, will you pick me up on the you know, on the show? Do you have, can I open for you? That sort of thing. Is that how you're you're booking yourself? Pretty much, just like little show <laughs> trades. Like, hey, there's a band out in Utah that this, the, we're starting to really love working with, and that their name is Sunfish, and they came out for a Reno show, not even knowing who we are. We were like, well, you know, we we had them spend the night with us here in Reno. We housed them for the night. They were such amazing people, and. You know, just I picked the lead singer's brain about lead singer shit. You picked Mikkel's brain, the guitar shit. And it was just like Bentley. <laughs> My bad. Mikkel was the drummer. So, yeah. So, yeah. We just we start making these relationships with these bands that were like, oh, my God. You know, there's other people out there doing the same thing we are, you know, trying to make it and trying to just get as many people to hear your music as possible, you know, and meeting those bands and working with those bands has never been more fun. You know, there's always that ego that comes with people that are like, I don't want to work with a band with 400 followers. I don't want to work with a band with 100 followers. We had zero, man. We were at zero at one point. So like working with all these young bands is just amazing. And all these like, and by young, I mean new, you know, bands yeah. are just, just there, played their there, first There show. are new bands popping up in Reno like every month. Daily. Yeah, daily at this point. Yeah. yeah. New projects and whatever. And it's just so fun to work with those people. Like the music scene out here is growing exponentially. I would say so. Yeah. And it's it's really it's really fun to watch. It is. All yeah. these all and these be part of it too, you know, and all be these, part of all these like 16, 17 year olds who were exactly where we were three years ago. And I'm telling you, there's a band that is there's been many bands that I've seen that have been in our place three years ago that I've said throw them on the bill throw them on the bill right. have them on the show you know yeah. whatever because at this point when we're setting up headlining shows we control what who opens we control you know what the ticket prices whatever so I, at this point i'm like get the newest people out there to see our people you know get as much diversity on the lineup as you can and that is a goal of mine every single time i mean there's a band here called flamingos in the tree that just play indie pop music but we love throwing them on the bill because they just come out and do stuff that sounds like you know flowers and you know sunsets and meadows and shit and then we come out we do kind of a mix of that with a mix of some harder stuff that we have you know an opening metalcore band do you know what i mean so it's like there's always room to throw as much music in as possible never really a specific genre you know we don't do that you know we don't yeah. we don't we don't we don't like the whole the the genre box no right that's good you don't have you don't have to do that right so um, and so when did you, going back a bit, when did you get, both pick up the guitar? Dude? When did, when did you start playing? I'll let you take that while I plug in my phone. Okay. <laughs> um, I started when I was about, I want to say 11 or 12. So sixth grade. And I remember, um, I watched that video of, uh, Led Zeppelin doing Stairway to Heaven live, oh, that, 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 that like 12 minute version where Jimmy Page has that double neck SG. And I, I watched I watched that video and I was like that that 
and I went, I, cause I had this, like, I think it was a first stacked little mini electric, the ones with the speakers in them. And uh, yeah. And it had three strings on it at the time. And I started learning like that. Yeah. Yeah. Did and you teach yourself or did you Christmas? I got my first real six string. Yeah. Did you teach yourself or did you take, I mean, you said you, I knew you were in choir, you said, but did you take any classes? I did not. I, I'm completely self-taught when it comes to guitar. Me too. Nice. And I, I honestly did try taking class. I'm sorry, I'm off camera, but I did try Inside. taking classes for a bit. And at one point, the guitar teacher looked at me and he just said, hey, just so you know, we're just jamming at this point. You already know what you need to know. Go learn more. Like you're fully capable of doing it. I was like, oh, okay, dude. I didn't know I was, you know, doing anything right. And he was, it, the best part is, is when I came into learning guitar and learning whatever, it was always like, I, did, I just didn't know what chords I was playing. I knew I was playing chords. I just didn't know the names of them. And that's what he taught me. And then after that, I didn't take lessons anymore. I literally did. You're, you're good. <laughs> well, what were your first concerts? Oh, mine was. In the womb or out of the womb? I'm guessing out. Well, in the, the first concert you were conscious for. Okay, I was about to say Dave Matthews. I don't remember. Oh, okay. This guy. Uh, mine was Aerosmith in South Tahoe back in 2015 when they did their 40th anniversary tour. And I think I think Aerosmith was the best first concert for me. Anyone could ever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've seen them a couple times, and uh, I mean, the first time was much better, I'll say. The second time was they played with Kiss, and it was during uh, it was during their blues album, Honking on Bobo, which was not very good uh, to say. So, uh, <laughs> but the yeah. first the first one first one was great. Stephen Tyler swung over my head and everything. You know, I mean, I was fourth row. Like, I mean, it was. I mean, that was pretty cool. But, um, you know. Um, so, what was your first concert out of the womb, Xander? I'm not sure if I caught that. <laughs> yeah, out of the womb. Oh man, I'd like to say it. It would have been one of three. So it's either Foreigner when I saw him at because I lived in Florida for a long time. Yeah. I was born there, so I had a Universal pass, and they would do concerts at Universal, and it would always be a free concert for everybody that was there. And it's Foreigner, and I was like, yeah. I love fucking Jukebox Hero. My mom would play that for me yeah. on road trips and whatnot. So I love being at a Foreigner concert. There's Foreigner. Charlie Daniels. Do you know who Charlie Daniels is? Of course I know who Charlie Daniels is. That went down through. That was the reason. I was super into that song when I was a kid. And my mom just surprised me with Charlie Daniels tickets. She was like, do you want to go see Charlie Daniels? Shred the fiddle. And I was like, yes. So it was, it was one of those two, I would, I would like to say. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you win. So I'll, I'll, I'll share mine. And I don't share it often. But, uh, but, uh, but it comes with a caveat also. Uh, I did not have good music taste growing up. I did not have, you know, great friends to influence, you know. That. Well, what do you define as a great music taste? It's facts. So, oh, I mean, well, Xander knows that Foo Fighters, I mean, are, are the top right now. I mean, they're not, they're not, I'm not going to say they're my favorite band, but Dave Grohl is the most amazing, you know, they're the yes, last great rock and roll band uh, in, in my He's estimation. So, yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of different tastes in music and I talk to bands every week, you know, uh, th throughout the world, you know, so I get to listen to a lot of different shit. But, mm -hmm. um, but let me say my, my musical taste was a lot different when I was right. 12 to 13 or so. First concert was uh, Smash Mouth. Damn, um, really? And, I've and seen Smash Mouth. So, 
So I'm I'm interviewing the new singer of Smash Mouth tomorrow, actually. No uh, way! Uh, so, I didn't know they got uh, a new singer. Wow. It, yeah, I don't know if you heard what happened to Steve Harwell, but he had some oh, yeah. tough, tough shit that went down. And you Dude, know, I'll like, tell you, yeah, 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 yeah. I can learn afterwards. It's yeah. a rabbit hole. But I actually, I actually met Steve back in like yeah. 2018, and he was, he was very nice. He was a nice dude. I was like, dude, hey, yeah. He was like, hey, you know, <laughs> that was kind of it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, so I was a fan of Smash Mouth back in the day, and uh, I met him oh, who would, who a couple was? times too, and and all that, but. Yeah, so that was that was my first, but that's a pretty good first concert. concert yeah, though, for like, real. I, I expected like Trans Siberian Orchestra. And I was like, <laughs> all right, you know, that's cool. That's that a cool work. first concert. Yeah, no, no. And Foreigner, we've had on the program a bunch. Um, I know their manager and stuff, so they're oh, they're really cool. cool. Seeing seen them live uh, a handful of times, so that's super um, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're good. Um, and so, uh, so uh, tell me about the uh, opening for Puddle of Mud. How did that come about? And tell me about the show. Well, it came about uh, mainly because there's a big promoter in town that books a lot of different shows here. They book a lot of the big touring acts, but they don't really look to, to any of the locals. So trying to lock in those big shows, they kind of already have some of them, always. So what we decided to do is as soon as I saw it get it, it wasn't even announced by these promoters yet. I just saw that Puddle of Mud was announcing that they were coming through again. And I'd seen Puddle of Mud come through here when they played in 2018. And I was like, okay, we'd be stupid not to reach out to these people and try to get on a show because I was personally very inspired by that first album, Come Clean. I mean, that album itself made me start writing Stay Away, Melted Clocks, all that kind of stuff. So that pretty much birthed the sound of the band. So I was like, I have, we have to play with Puddle of Mud. So um, I had my dad reach out to their manager and their manager was all over us. They, she loved us. So she was like, we're absolutely going to throw you on the show. We're going to have another local and then it's going to be Puddle of Mud. I was like, rad. So it, the biggest two venues, or biggest three venues here are Grand Sierra Resort, uh, Cargo Concert Hall, and uh, the Reno Event Center, which is very And big. there's there's a new one opening up down in Victorian, oh, know, that, that outdoor arena. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. There's another one, I guess. But uh, the biggest one that we could see ourselves playing in, at least in the spot that we were at musically, is Cargo. And I've seen a handful of concerts there. You had never been there before, which uh -huh. I think is crazy. I've seen a handful of concerts there and I've always aspired to play there. And that's where Puddle of Mud was going. So I was like, wow, we get to play with Puddle of Mud at the dream venue in Reno that I've always wanted to play. So once we get to that venue, it was the first like very official venue. That's not a, you know, not someone's living room. You know, that's very official. There's a schedule, there's sound checks, there's load in times, there's all that kind of stuff. And there usually is at other venues, but this one, it seemed like it was on a very tight, schedule so we show up we load our gear and we go down to our green room which we've had a green room before but we've never had a green room you know what i mean like we walked in and there was you know there's beer for everybody and whatever we're not even 21 yet so it was like whatever but at the same time there's a couch with netflix like it was like what is going on like this is luxury compared to sitting in the car before the show just getting ready playing food fighters so you know, we go out there, we, we watched Puddle of Mud soundtrack, but we didn't meet them yet. So we watched their soundtrack and we were just like, wow, you know, that's Puddle of Mud. Oh my God. So we go into our green room, we relax for a little bit, then we go out and we sound check and tell them what happened. Oh, so you're one uh, of, this is why you I always brought, bring a spare. Yeah. Bring a spare guitar. Oh, I, bring yeah. a spare guitar. So the one guitar that I had with me, it's actually, it's here right now. What's funny is before you even get to that, my, I brought two, my spare failed. So there you oh, go. Oh no. I, so I've had this. Was, by the was, way, I've had this sort of thing happen. Before. Like, 
uh, in interview status. Like we were interviewing Taking Back Sunday at Slims in San Francisco. This is 2003 um, sort of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. Uh, but uh, this is, this is uh, so I, we had the camera. The ca I was using the TV station's camera. It, the battery was dead and shot. I'm like, okay, well, I brought my own camera as a backup. It was two blocks away, whatever. I had to run off of Taking Back Sunday's uh, tour bus. They were playing with the U's, by the way. Uh, and um, this tiny place that holds 450 people. I mean, this is before they blew up, right? And, uh, and so I run, you know, a couple blocks around the corner, uh, get my camera and, uh, and get back on the tour bus. And that camera died, you know? And, oh, and, and, and so I was like, fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. You always got to have a backup for your backup for your backup. backup for your backup. backup. But yeah. <laughs> I know. It, yeah. Was, it was, it was this, this Telecaster. Beautiful guitar. Uh, I, I've been playing it since the band's inception. Very much so. Yeah. It literally decided to stop working while we were sound checking. It just, he wasn't getting any sound out of it. And, you know, when we, when we played Whiskey A Go Go, the same thing had happened to me, except it was my amp. I don't know if you knew it was my yeah, amp. Yeah, I it wasn't my guitar, it was my amp. So I'm panicking. You know, it was our first out of town show we've ever done. I'm running around talking to everybody like, my shit's broken. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm like fully sweating, fully panicking, fully panicking. So Brogan's guitar starts to fail. All my stuff is smooth sailing, and all of Jacob's stuff is smooth sailing. You know, all of Mike's stuff is smooth sailing. And then we're just, we all kind of surround around you, like, what can we do to help? And it was just literally within 20 minutes, we had a solution. And it was to use the other opener's guitar. You know, that was the only thing we could think of. You know, we gutted the entire opening of his guitar. You know, got pliers, yeah, got kit, whatever. I, I ended up uh, taking taking this out. Yeah. Taking it out completely. And then the front And then I had, to, well. I had to yeah. take off the control plate. All within a span, all within a span of 20 minutes. All this was done. And then yeah. they basically said, okay, you have five minutes. You're about to go on stage. We're letting people in right now. There are people slowly packing in. You have to go. Either fix your guitar or find a different one. And, you know, the, the other opener, Black Sunshine, let us use their Strat. And then we basically hands you Strat, tunes it, and we're on stage. Like, it was that quick. So we play our show, and I'm going to be honest, it went by a snap it did. for me. You know, most of our shows tend to, you know, it's like you kind of get off stage and you're trying to remember certain little things that had just happened. And, you know, it's the adrenaline and stuff like that. But this show in particular, we even had to cut a song because we were just jamming for so long. We were having such a good time that we just decided to jam instead of doing another song. But in the end, it was the tightest and best mixed performance that we've ever done. And yeah. I think there's a there's a special there's something special about that. You know, and it's about having a, a good sound and a good crowd to work with. And even though I kind of shit the bed uh, crowd surfing, probably shouldn't have done that. We still did a lot of stuff that we normally do at Split Persona shows that these new people were like very into. Like, um, like before our song, Keep It, uh, we have this thing where Xander will play the da -na -na. Just to start it. Just yeah. to start it. He'll split the room in two. He'll be like, I need to hear yeah. from this, this side. side. Now I need to hear from side. this side. No, I try to get everybody involved. And I'll, I'll like, I'll pick a side and like help get them up. Yeah, he, uh -huh. it's always me versus you on, on sides. So, you know, we'll do stuff like that. And there were some older people at that concert that really had a good time. Like, oh yeah, there was like, there was a, what, what, like in the middle of this splitting the room, there was there was one guy I think yelled, "That guy on the other side, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. side of the room." I saw I that. Like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> like people really like this. So you know, after the show, we have people coming up to us, taking pictures with us, you know, asking to sign set lists and sign their face at one point, and you know, just it's like it's pretty 
eye boggling, you know, to be like, you know, we're still the dudes that just play music in a room and we just kind of try to make cool shit, you know, make cool sounds and whatnot. And, you know, the fact that we did that is probably the biggest achievement we've ever had in Reno is yeah. playing that venue and playing for that many people. And then Puddle Mud plays and I, Wes had said something to my dad about wanting to talk to us after the show or talk to me or something like that. So I was like, what? <laughs> so after the show, we're waiting by their dressing room, you know, waiting for them to leave. And eventually I get impatient. I'm like, I'm just going to knock. And I don't want to go down the rabbit hole telling the story, but I was kicked out of Shinedown's backstage dressing room. Uh -huh. Mainly, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I had a pass to be back there and they were really, really nice and we were all hanging out, whatever, but secure their GSR security, which was the Grand Sierra, kicked me out. So I was kind of anxiety ridden to knock on the door really? again. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I knocked and the drummer answered and he was like, what's up, dude? I, you got split persona. He was super cool. We were like, yeah, um, we would like to talk to Wes, yeah, if that's is okay. Wes is Wes around so we can, you know, say hi, hi to him or whatever? He was like, hold on. Comes out within five minutes and just yeah. gives us all our own, you know, little moment to talk to us and everything. He talked to you for a little bit. He talked to me. And the best part about it, and I will remember it forever, you can see the quote in our video oh. that pops up. And it's just something we say to it, each other it's now. It's something you need to be said for you to hear it that way. In the video, I tried to type it out as best as I could, but... He, he was like, what's your guys' band name again? We were like, we're Split Persona. He just goes, Split Persona, bitch. You know, it was like, yes! Like, we got the rap. We got the signature Wes Scantlin rasp that we are Split Persona. It was awesome. Bitch. You know, and I told him that my mom had played She Hates Me for me on little road trips. And I was singing that song when I was three or four years old. And he was like, mesmerized by that. And I was mesmerized <laughs> that I was telling him. You know what I mean? So doing yeah. that show was incredibly incredibly amazing for, both, for all of us you know not for just both yeah just both of us <laughs> just me and you <laughs> <laughs> right right uh, I, i'll match you with a backstage kind of sneaking backstage uh, story here uh, and it involves food fighters so it kind of you know it ties in right uh, so uh, so i had a press pass to the show this is again back oh god it must have been 05 or something like that um gotcha. and um and but it wasn't supposed to get you backstage and uh and so you know, I, I just, I walk backstage like I own the place, you know. Yep, the, that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and what's funny is I was wearing a shirt, and I still have a shirt, uh, that uh, it's, it says, how to sneak past security at a concert, you know, bring your electric guitar, crowd surf, whatever, oh, you know, cool. like that sort of thing. And I, and I, I was wearing that when I snuck past security. That's and so, crazy. So, so I was able to sit on the riser on, you know, for Foo Fighters set, um, you know, like on the stage uh, sort of thing, right on the side of the stage yeah yeah and uh and then afterwards you know uh, everybody's leaving and everything i walk on the stage i take taylor hawkins uh set list uh and i and then i wait and i just wait you know they uh they were in their dressing room place is pretty much cleared out but i'm waiting and whatever security may have yeah. looked at me a couple times but i'm just whatever i'm not saying anything i'm keeping myself and uh uh taylor comes out and uh you know i catch his eye but and this is kind of a regret now because of, you know, obviously, uh, but I didn't say anything to him. And it's like, at that point, it's like, I'm here for Dave sort of thing, you know? Oh. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Hey, I know. that's, that's how everybody feels. You know, the, like my dad was like, you, you, did you want to meet Taylor? I was like, yeah, I want to meet everybody. You know, at this yeah. point, I was such a I want to talk Chris Shiflett's ear off about effects. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, there's, there's every member of the Foo Fighters at this point is incredibly meaningful and just their own personality. Yeah. I mean, Pat was in the band like three or four times in and out, but yes, continue your story. I want to hear more. Yes. But Dave, you know, so a couple months later, Dave comes out and uh, I mean, I, I get him to sign the set list and I get a, 
this was before you know smartphones and everything so this didn't yeah. have that i had a crappy it might have even been a disposable or at least a crappy camera uh the picture didn't come out uh yeah i know it was super blurry like you're like i could say that's dave Grohl, but you wouldn't know for sure sure sort of thing and yeah. so that's luckily, dave Grohl. yeah prove it i think you showed if i, I hate to interrupt I but i feel you're, like you you're showed right. me a picture of you and dave Grohl because he was getting like a corn dog at a fair or something like that it's, close but like he came back to napa to show his sound city musical documentary right. um and so uh he was uh, he was showing like there was uh, we were all in for for that and everything and i was sitting down and there were there were some previews beforehand and i brought a bunch of cds not even just Foo fighters like other stuff he uh drummed on like tenacious d and juliet lewis's band who I, fucking yeah, yeah. you know and, st and stuff like that right i brought a handful of cds just in case i happened to get to meet him oh, but yeah. I those there were my jacket pocket I left it at the seat and I went to the bathroom during the previous and he's just standing out there talking to the venue staff and whatever go back to my seat get my jacket go back out wait wait for him to stop talking to the venue staff and then he takes my phone and takes a picture with us and signs my cds and everything right. and yeah you know and and so and then so the doc you know I'm like what would Dave Grohl do right because I don't stop there right I, I send the picture to my mom uh, and have her go to CVS and get a fucking eight by 10 of that printed and then meet me at the front of the venue. And then afterwards, when there's a Q and A, I'm first one to ask a question. Right. Uh, and, uh, and I asked my question, you know, okay, something about Nirvana. And, uh, and then, uh, I, I get him to sign the picture. He's like, wasn't this like an hour ago? You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. And, it, awesome. and so it was, it was freaking awesome. Yeah. It was, it was pretty great. That is something yeah. people would do. Just show up with a picture you took an hour ago, <laughs> printed and ready and framed. Yeah, like that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested I'm to see what happens. Because I was actually, I just hung out with Shinedown and they were really, really cool backstage. And I was hanging out with Brent and I was on a call with him like a year before this had happened. So me and him were kind of catching up on that kind of stuff. Me and Zach Myers were talking about the things not to do and the things to do on tour because we were leaving to go on tour like the week after yeah. and aaron yeah. jones this new like very amazing hard rock artist is making waves and he opened so i was like i got the i need more rough mix i'm gonna run back there in his dressing room and show him this song so i knocked on the door and aaron jones his like girlfriend or whatever answered and she was like what's up and i was like i was wondering if i could show this song to aaron you know it's band, my band and i you know i was very like flustered or whatever and he all i hear is just send him in and i was like oh shit you know this is like the dark room he's in like leather jacket i walk in behind me in the hallway you know in the venue and like the back hallways of the venue this lady just sneaks behind me and just goes do you guys know him and he just goes no i don't know him but he's gonna show me a song and that's cool or something like that and she goes well he can't be back here you gotta come with me and then he just pulled me out and i was like oh no he wanted he to hear it so close so i tweeted out i'm hoping that he would respond to it but <laughs> no dice no dice well you got in the room with him We're gonna, you, know, you know it seems like everybody i meet comes back around again eventually i mean yeah. here's an example but like it's gonna happen eventually yeah. i'm gonna see aaron jones at like yeah. one of the festivals we're playing at i'm just gonna be like hey uh Fuck your security. <laughs> Here's that yeah. song. Yeah. I know it's been <laughs> five years, but here it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll make it happen. Um, so, uh, so your parents are really supportive also. I mean, it sounds like like your, it's your dad's reaching out to folks for you, getting making that happen. Like they've been supportive throughout 
the whole thing with yeah. the band? Oh, my parents have been generously supportive throughout this whole thing. I mean, yeah. they at this point, we've all realized that the music industry is throwing a bunch of money into a dumpster fire and just kind of watching it go and then just being like, yay! You know, <laughs> like, you put out a song, you spend like three grand to get it done and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you'll hear it in the music. You know, that's where it really matters. It's like mixing, mastering, all that kind of stuff. It really matters at that point. Because you have a piece of shit recording that some amazingly Stephen Hawking level engineer can make sound like literal, uh, I was about to say Night at the Opera <laughs> for some reason. I, that was the album that came to mind, Masterpiece. But um, I feel like that's where your real, your real money goes because you could pay some dude on it on the internet to just be like, hey, can you send this to a bunch of Spotify playlists because we need numbers for some reason, you know, like that matters. And, and right. they'll just take a grand from you and just be like, watch it go, you know? And like 10 months later, you'll just be staring at the same song and be like, damn, it did some shit. <laughs> you know, it did like two things. <laughs> so, I mean, my parents have definitely come to the point where we realized like we can't give you anymore at this point you guys got to figure it out on your own and we've been doing that you know we put up a gofundme and as of today we now have an official band van you know we actually got a van today so i think that's crazy so you know it's certain things like that that we've realized oh you know our money really comes from the shows that we play and that's where we have the most fun so we should put a lot of it into touring and, you know, playing shows and trying to make money rather than spending it so much on tour. Because in the past, we, you know, we use our drummer's car that gets 13 miles per gallon on a good day. And, you know, with a trailer attached, it's probably 11 or 10. So it, we're going to spend a lot of money on touring and playing shows. But now that we have a mode of transport that we don't need a trailer anymore, we can just put all our stuff in the van and go. Um, now we'll start making more money and being able to put it back into the music because yeah. that's where it comes from. You know, you got to work for it. And everybody's like you got to work for it blah 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 i have a day job i work 12 hours a day it's like whatever dude we want to make our money playing the shows and getting our name out there kind of knocking two birds with one stone at, at the same time and then put that into making a really good record and then putting that record out and just rinse and repeat you know that's kind of where it comes from and you know we don't have a label we don't have anybody that's fronting us money or being able to do any of that and if I'm being honest, in the past, it's been our parents that have done that. Yeah. You know, here's money to go on tour. Here's money to get this song next to Master. You know, whatever. Here's, here's money to help out. But it always comes to a, a halt at one point of yeah. saying, you know, it's becoming too much. You know, we're none of us came from rich backgrounds in our families. That's yeah. all. All of us work day jobs. I mean, I work at World Market. You work. At I work at a warehouse. Yeah, you work at a warehouse. Mike, our drummer, works at a piercing place and sells jewelry. You know, it's all. All of us have our own little lives that we have to, you know, all put back into this one big thing. But at this point, it's starting to look like that we're just going to be able to play shows, make money playing shows, which is something we already really love. And we've already been doing so many shows without making money. You know, at this point, it's, it hasn't even been a priority for us. But at this point, we're realizing, hey, if we make money, we can do more. You know? Yeah. And, you know, setting up that GoFundMe and getting us set up to get a van has, you know, that's so much stuff we would have had to save up for that we now don't. You know, yeah. now that we have a van, we could just pack it up and go at this point, you know, and just do well, what I mean, we, we love. need seats first, but <laughs> yeah, we need back seats. <laughs> it doesn't have the seats yet. It didn't, the van didn't come with the seats, huh? No, it didn't. And, you know, sometimes the air conditioner, you got to hit it a little bit to get it to start kicking off. But, you know, but, there's no fun in, in a perfect van. There's right. no fun in that. It'll get where it needs to go. The guy's an important thing. Just like, hey, you know, the window kind of goes down, kind of doesn't go down. And I'm just laughing my ass off. I'm like, yes, this is the stuff we're going to be able to talk about on tour. This is going to be the stuff that keeps us from going insane. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so uh, honestly, at this point, it's it's playing the shows, putting the money that we make from the shows back into the music, and then putting out new music. 
and you know not relying on anybody else to help us just doing it ourselves and really until someone comes forward and is offering us money until you know capital calls and they're just yeah. like hey you know we'll front you this much money to make a record I mean, but until point, then we're doing it ourselves yeah and we're happy doing that yeah you know we're, ha- we're we're finding a balance where at some at this point we're not thinking damn we're broke as fuck you know we're broke broke and we're not gonna be able to do this anymore because we're broke at this point we're thinking damn you know we may be broke but we're making more money you know we're making uh, we were organizing ourselves to make money in the future yeah. so we can keep doing this and nobody in this band is ever going to let money hold us back i know that for a fact you know it has in the past but then we realized wow you know we could just book another local show or we could book a show that's not eight and a half hour drive away you know what i mean so it we that we don't have to stay overnight for right you know and we're finding you know little balancing ways to organize ourselves and really become a professional act and be taking as such because for so long you know i'm 19 i'm pretty young you're 19 and the uh, oldest in our band is 21 so i mean we're young we're still kids to a lot of people this got this got yeah. this this whole thing got started when he was like six, you, I tracked you didn't the vocals. even have a driver's license. I tracked vocals for that EP when I was 16 and recorded yeah. the drums and whatever when I was 16. So like you probably sound a little different now. So you know. Oh yeah. And <laughs> that's why, you know, there's been talk of re recording the EP songs, but you know, that we don't know. You know, at this point, it's it's being able to do whatever we want, not having a you know, I'd rather be able to be independent and struggle a little bit and being able to do whatever we want with the music or with touring and playing shows then be fronted a lot of money and being locked into something and having someone say no you're going to be there tomorrow like whether you want to or not you know i've seen you know just not having firsthand experience with it seeing so many artists go down the tube with being owned by big contracts that they're locked into and that they can't get out of you know i think when we were driving back from chico me and jacob had a three and a half hour conversation about fucking avicii and how that was the reason, you know, he had his downfall was because he was literally owned by his management and owned by his record label. So, you know, there's there's good and bad in all of it, but it's always finding the good and bringing it up to 11. That's kind the, of our thing. And I mean, all the bad just makes the good better. That's true. Yeah. Because I never thought we were going to get a van. And when I pulled up in the purple mobile today, it's purple, by the way, which is fucking awesome. I, I, I got to see a picture of this. Nobody expected yeah. it. So it's yeah. I expected it. You expected it because I called you. Yeah, you, you saw it coming, but yeah. So, so, <laughs> so when you're on, you literally a block away, mile away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so when you're on the road doing shows, I mean, like the the dynamic between everybody's cool, chill. Everybody, you know, nobody gets on each other's nerves or anything too much, right? It's the hunger. It's yeah. yeah. It's hunger, the hunger makes us into different people. Yeah, and the best part is, is that the worst arguments we've had on tour and going out of town and playing shows is either when we just wake up because we choose instead of you know like i said we're not that built money-wise we'd rather spend a night that's 30 bucks to rent a camp spot and camp out and barbecue and whatever than go into a fancy hotel for another 70 you know what i mean it's it's a lot easier so you know it'd be waking up in the morning and me waking up with hair that's like over here that should be over here and i'm just like i need a shower we have to go to a rest stop and shower whatever or, you know, I want a burrito, you know, we haven't eaten in three hours. Or, or like, I collapsed the tent on Xander. That, I will all, that didn't, know, that I didn't happen. This is all just hypothetical, just, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. When we were in, when we were in Nashville, I, we were looking at each other. I was like, how should we make up money? And I was like, <laughs> I know exactly how. You know, my parents used to do this to me when I was little. So I just undid his blow up bed. So it just started deflating. And he's like, oh, like going he, down he, into he it. He wakes up and his first words were, that's fucked up. Yeah, he was like, that's messed up, dude. I can't do it. And when we're in, when we're on tour, I don't know what city it was. I feel like we were in Petaluma. No, 
I feel like we were in Paso Robles when you did this oh. to my team, when we were on the one <laughs> plot of land. Yeah, we stayed at this one spot where it was just one plot of grass. And it was like, you got that to camp on. And it was like, cool. So in the morning, everybody gets up before me and I hear everybody getting up and I'm like, oh, I want to sleep, you know, for another 10 minutes. And I just hear, <laughs> and my tent just, <laughs> just collapses in. I'm like, ah! I'm like, like yo, I figured out how to collapse the tent. And I'm like, wait. And then it just goes. And I'm like, I can't find the door. And it looks like a ghost, like, trying to find out where he's going. Like, it was bad, dude. It was like a blind ghost. I <laughs> thought it was so funny. Oh, it was. I was laughing hysterically. But when I got out, I was like, I want an egg McMuffin. <laughs> like, I was pissed. <laughs> so anytime we've gotten a little irritable, it's either been, like, in the panic of, setting up a show or like breaking down a show and then you say no you've got to get out of here in 15 minutes like you're not 21 you can't stay here or something like that and we'll have to just everybody stick together and just kind of like load everything to the trailer and just kind of throw it all in there like there's definitely stress when it comes to stuff like that but i mean we've never stayed mad at each other like we, we saw making light of it is a lot of the times how we get through it and and also we just buy each other food yeah you know you know you're in a family when food fixes the worst arguments that you've ever had you know what i mean yeah yeah well that's great and and you're playing chico this weekend we are playing chico this weekend. once again so excited new house this time yeah Mm, it's a house show it is a house show the last one we did was a house show you you should be seeing in the next like week or so a vlog of that last house show because We've decided to start taking our friend Ashton with us everywhere we go. He's our videographer now. He loves filming and taking pictures. It's and he gets, he gets, he gets, he gets things that we don't even remember doing or right. saying. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be editing the footage and be like, wow, I can't believe we did that. You know, like one of the things was that cargo show and we were throwing the big pillar pillows. At uh-huh. the yeah. I totally I forgot about that until we put it out. So um, we had him follow us to Chico and it was our first out of town we ever brought him along with. And it was like a living room you know we didn't expect it to be the best but we got there and it was the coolest house we'd ever played in you know we've done a couple house shows before but that was the most fun and we you know those 30 people that saw us told their friends and like i think the next or day or so the next yeah i got a call from a random dude he's like hey i'm booking a show in chico next weekend you want to come and play like we'd love to have you back we'd love to keep having split persona play here and we're like yes you know and every i i remember texting the group chat and he was like boys you want to you want to go back to chico on the 28th i was like give me a second yes i I, yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so you know it's like i said earlier you know it's the college towns we keep trying to make our waves in because those are us man we're those are the 19 and 20 and 21 year olds that we're trying to like be friends with and try to like introduce ourselves to because i mean there's I, my manager at work, Lori, she was super cool with suicidal tendencies back in the day. She goes, but I was the age of suicidal tendencies when I was hanging out with them. So I'm their age now and whatever. She goes, all these friends that you're making at these college shows or whatever, are you going to remember you when you're 45 and they're 45 seeing you at stadiums or whatever? So, I mean, that's kind of where it comes from. And, and it's such a fun environment to play. You know, it's nobody really cares. You know, we, we could show up and play just one cover set, and but no one would care. Everybody's there to have fun and get fucked up necessarily you know and yeah but we also show up and do the split persona thing you know getting everybody involved and whatever we're not just showing up playing covers and just kind of being a, a bar show you know or or a keg party show it's more of like a split persona show put in a living room and you can crowd surf with 30 people right so i was gonna try <laughs> and it was after that cargo show that i was like mm, i don't know it's there's always a right time and Next time we do this show in Chico, this one that we're doing this weekend, I'm absolutely going to 
force it if it happens. If I need to force don't it, don't force it. I won't force it, but but if it happens, it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, dropped. yeah. It is. <laughs> I did get dropped. <laughs> they flipped me, dude. They went. <laughs> They weren't having it. They were like, no, this is not happening. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to thank you guys for, for taking the time. It was a of course. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. this was amazing, man. You asked great questions. You're Seriously. Great thank you. I've done, done a couple of these. So. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, episode no, the, is this? Uh, 365, maybe. But, you know, so, yeah. One, one year, one year. If I can one get it year of episodes. And we get the right. one year mark. It's not one year. I mean, I've been inter I've been interviewing bands since I was your your age, before your age, you know, sort of thing. And but just saying, I'm over double your age. So, well, when you said uh, something about being like at a at a show in 2003, I was like, I was born in 2003. Like, that's <laughs> like, dude, I couldn't even. It was the one where you were in the womb, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah. If you saw Dave Matthews on that tour, I was there. I, no joke. I think I saw Dave Matthews in 2003 at Golden Gate Park. Uh, maybe 2001. I don't know. God damn. I think like been around that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. My memory is a little foggy. I was kind of in a vagina. Like, I was like, uh, yes. but my mom, she tells me about it all the time. She was like, that was the first time you ever moved in my stomach was at Dave Matthews because, like, I don't know if it was Dave and and Tim Reynolds just doing their thing or. I keep trying to remember the drummer's name. He's a legendary drummer. Oh, if you don't remember, me, if you remember. I don't remember his name. I know Dave and Tim. That's yeah. Oh, he's he's right. insane. So basically, I don't know yeah. what it was, but I just started kicking, you know, during yeah. the like tripping billies or something. You know, <laughs> my mom was like, "Wow, you know, he likes music. That'll be something." And then you know, now we're here, which I think is crazy. The the show, I think my daughter was in the womb for a show. Uh, it was fun. Uh, be, before before they were big, like one of their their first tour has a hundred fifty capacity venue, like small wow. ass place in, in Sacramento, the Boardwalk. Get about fun way and, too much. They were a good band. I yeah, I mean I I was into the format before fun uh, was was around, and you know interviewed Nate on his tour bus um, at the the format show with Motion City soundtrack and wow. All American Rejects headlined and. Uh, and that sort of thing. So um, it was a it was a pretty pretty cool show. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was the one my daughter was in the room for. So she can. She, I, mean, she, I don't think she remembers, but <laughs> but it but it happened. It happened. Be surprised. Yes. Yeah. If you're if you're ever in the area, I mean, I just I just moved to Vacaville, um, and so so right outside Davis. And so if you guys have a show in the area or something, let me let me know and. Uh, I'll let you know because we have a show in Davis first week of June. So I'll just let you know that date and all the details. You do? Okay. Yeah, well, we do. yeah well, first week of June. That's like two weeks away, huh? Yeah, it's so shit. I gotta get the time off. Where do you have the details now? Like what's the what's the deal? Um, I, I don't have the exact address. I know it's the Turtle House in Davis. It's a college house where you play on the deck. That's what I know, is that you play on the deck, it's, everybody stands on the grass and watches you play, and we've been trying to get our foot in the door with them for a couple months now, because they just did an Earth Day festival there, and it was like six or seven bands, I think, but it was, I believe, 300 people on that one lawn, just watching all these bands. It was basically Woodstock and Davis, which I think is so cool. Davis Stock. David Stock. That's David what they Stock. call it. It's a missed opportunity right there. That's because yeah. they did me on their marketing team. That's true but yeah i will actually shoot you all the actual like accurate details over when you text okay me. 
Yeah, yeah. If I if I can make it, I, I will. I have kids and so I have split custody and shit. So. Oh, um, gotcha. Well, I'll but, send you details of but, other shows in that area too, because we're definitely trying to hit Sacramento, Davis. You know that whole Bay Area spot, because we're right up in Reno. We're pretty close. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah not too, not too far away. So we'll make make yeah, it happen. Sure. But, but great times. Thanks for thanks for hitting me up, Xander. I mean, yeah, always good to of course, to, dude. To catch I can't up and, believe we can make this happen. This is awesome, dude. Dream yeah, country. Dig, dig the EP, and um, I mean, dig what you guys are doing. Your energy is is really. I mean, it's it's really awesome. So keep it up and. And I will keep it up. So and it, it might not mean as much as you know those bands that are that are telling you keep it up, but I'll say keep it up as well because that's that live show and that energy that you have. You you will go places. You you keep that up. You'll you continue to grow your audience. You guys are doing it. So thank you, um, dude. Thank you so I really much. appreciate that. All right. Well, you guys have a good night then, and I will uh, be chatting with you soon. Okay. Yeah. See thank you, well. man. Thank you for having us. It was a great time. Right, later, guys. That was the interview with Split Persona here on Concert Pipeline. And that takes us to the final segment on the program, the music news. All right, got a couple of uh, stories here uh, to wind up the program. Last uh, On the last episode of Concert Pipeline, it was a real heavy undertone with death kind of running throughout the, um, all of the stories. Well, today the topic's a little bit lighter. We're coming up uh, for, for air here. Uh, the topic, uh, we have a couple of stories that tie into COVID and now COVID's still around and folks are getting hit by it. So let's talk about a couple of folks uh, and bands that are getting hit by COVID. First off, Pearl Jam. Uh, we we're hoping it wouldn't happen. We knew it did happen to Pearl Jam's drummer and we had a local Bay Area uh, teenager uh, who was able to fill in on drums for uh, for one song of Pearl Jam's set near the end of the set um, in uh, drummer of the band The Alive um, who we're going to have on the program actually pretty soon uh, he filled in for Pearl Jam at their uh, I think it was a San Francisco show or oh no it was Oakland actually um, but uh, Pearl Jam didn't make it any farther than that because uh, Jeff Ament uh, from Pearl Jam was also diagnosed with COVID. So apparently two, two, two is the number of uh, band members that it takes to take Pearl Jam down and make them cancel shows on their, on their tour. Uh, our attention to staying inside the bubble has been constant. Uh, we've truly done all that we could have uh, to remain clear of infection, uh, the band said after Sacramento and Las Vegas gigs were nixed. Um, and those are the final two shows and then their North American tour, at least it was near the end. But I think I had a buddy going to the Sacramento show, so I'm sure he didn't. Uh, he was not too excited about that. Um, and so, Project uh, did manage to per, uh, persevere through drummer Mad Cameron's COVID-related absence by enlisting audience, an audience member, and I think an old bassist from Red Hot Chili Peppers or something along the uh, along those lines. Uh, but uh, no, but they uh, send their heartfelt sa uh, sadness about. Uh, um, about having to cancel the dates. So it's horrible for everybody involved. We're especially sorry out there to those who made plans to attend these shows. Our uh, let's see here. Um, Matt Cameron tested positive for COVID in Fresno uh, where Ed and the band got, uh, got through, uh, through it with the help of Dave Christian and special guest drummer. They now have to present this heartbreaking news. So that is Pearl Jam. They are down for the count, at least for that, the rest of that tour. Um, all right. Uh, the next artist that uh, was uh, uh, stricken with uh, COVID is Eric Clapton. Uh, 
Uh, and this one, it's hard to say without a little hint of a smile. I don't wish it on anybody, but this guy has talked a lot of shit about COVID uh, and he has to postpone his tour uh, kickoff after catching COVID. Uh, so um, let's see, he, uh, it's a European tour that he, that he had planned and he's unfortunately suffering from COVID having tested positive shortly after the second concert at the Royal Albert Hall on May 8th. Just, that was a while ago. That's weird. Um, so is, how long is he out for? This, this is a new story. Uh, okay, so maybe he's not having a good go with COVID. That's, that's kind of concerning. He's been told by his medical advisors that if he were to resume traveling and perform too soon, it could substantially delay his full recovery. He's also anxious to avoid passing on any infection to any of his band crew, promoters, their staff, and of course the fans. Um, so he initially postponed May 17th in Zurich, Switzerland, and May 18th in Milan, Italy, uh, and May 19th, he's determined he's unable to perform his uh, alter, uh, other dates in Italy. Uh, they'll be rescheduled by the end of this year. His team says the announcement of the new dates will be made within the next two weeks and tickets purchased will remain valid for those dates. It doesn't, uh, doesn't say anything about Eric Clapton's stance on, on COVID vaccines. Uh, although I'll tell you, you know, if he had gotten vaccinated, might've had a little easier go with COVID and so been able to keep the, some of those shows after the first uh, couple that he canceled and wouldn't be out for the multiple weeks that he's uh, he's been out. I mean, it sounds like the three weeks or so at this point, which is pretty long. Um, okay, a couple more stories here. Connor Burst from Bright Eyes. He reportedly walked off the stage during a Bright Eyes gig. Fans sang karaoke with the band until the show was officially canceled. Ooh. Okay, according to reports from fans at the show, Oberst left the stage after just two songs during the band's show at the lawn uh, at White Oak Music Hall. Um, let's see, Bright Eyes played two songs. He walked off. Now the band is suggesting Bright Eyes karaoke uh, with Bright Eyes for the crowd. Can't really charge the crowd for that, right? Can't charge them the price of Bright Eyes tickets. Uh, but the karaoke went on for a few songs before the venue, venue canceled the show and refunded tickets. Oh, okay. So they got a couple of, you know, Bright Eyes karaoke songs out of the, out of the deal. Uh, the group is scheduled to play New Orleans Orpheum Theater uh, and the New York show. They, they have a couple of shows reach out, but um, they reach out to Bright Eyes for comment. Um, and, but uh, I don't think they uh, got any uh, got any reply. So um, hopefully he's okay. We don't know why he um, walked off stage at this point, from what I can tell. Okay, last story has to do with Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction. Uh, he has a band called Porno for Pyros. Uh, they reunited at Welcome to Rockville. Uh, it's a periodically active project, and they stepped in for Jane's Addiction at the last minute. Um, and uh, they, they, it was their first show in 26 years. The band, who have been periodically active since the 90s, were filling in for Jane's Addiction, who pulled out of their set due to Dave Navarro's ongoing battle with, you got it right, covid Damn, all these bands going down with COVID. Um, discussing Navarro's long bout with COVID, Farrell revealed that the Porno for Pyro's lineup is their first first pull show in over 25 years. They reunited in 2020 for a Lollapalooza live stream. Um, features himself, Stephen Perkins, Peter Stefano, and Mike Watt. Uh, Rockville, although we were blue, the Janes cannot be with you at this time due to Dave's long bout with COVID. We're still coming to Daytona. We'll play some James songs for you as well, but for now, let's recall, my boat's capsized. It's gonna to link to the bottom. I can see the lights on the shore. 
Uh, all right. So uh, I don't know how fans feel about the you know, uh, Jane's Addiction being replaced with uh, Perry Farrell's other band. If they are big Perry Farrell fans, they can look at that as a really unique opportunity. Otherwise, um, some fans might want their money back if they were expecting to see Jane's Addiction, but I'm uh, not sure what happened with that. So that's what's going on in the music news today. Um, and that is our show. So thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thank you to Split Persona for being on the program. Um, I'll preview a couple things we have in the works right now. Uh, Smash Mouth, um, inter inter planning to interview their new lead singer uh, named Zach Good. Uh, and let's see, we have a bunch of uh, uh, Bottle Rock interviews, the Alive, uh, Taipei, Houston, um, maybe a couple uh, of others, I think, in the works. Uh, I'm trying to see what I... But I got on the schedule um, and uh, Lily, I think I'm going to be interviewing as well. So there's a couple of artists and some more in the works. Uh, so that is our show for today. For all of us here at Concert Pipeline, I'm Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time.